0: We are concluding our series this morning. This is the finale of Velcro. And I've titled this message, More Than Conquerors. What I'd like you to do, if you would please, is get your Bible, if you don't have it already, get your Bible, right? Get your Bible, whether it's on your phone app, But get the book, stay off Facebook and get in the book, get your Bible because uh, we're going to go into a passage and we're going to really dig in. And I want you not only to hear with your ears, but I want you to see with your eyes right there in front of you from your word, uh, what the Lord says today. And while you're doing that, you might need a second or two to do that. I want to thank Pastor Dustin and Pastor Sean for sharing their hearts with us and doing a fine job in presenting this series with me, Velcro. Um, We've been focusing on a passage from Paul's letter to Romans, and this is it. It's from the great chapter 8 of Romans where he tells us that because of the love of God in Christ Jesus, we are more and conquerors. Verse 35 is where we're going to start today. It says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, he quotes a psalm here, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered question though is, will those things separate us from the love of God? Do those things mean God doesn't love us? Paul has an answer. That's what this series has been about. That's why I chose the word Velcro, because I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will create this truth in your mind, and it's this. Jesus' love for his people cannot be removed, regardless of storms or weakness or struggles or actually anything that happens in the whole world. Paul was convinced of this truth. His soul came to know very well from the moment when Jesus met him unexpectedly on the road to Damascus. He later describes that moment to a young pastor named Timothy who is about to face tremendous persecution as a young pastor. He describes when Jesus met him, Paul, and he says, mercy kissed me. Even though I used to be a blasphemer, a persecutor of believers and a scorner of what turned out to be true, I was ignorant and I didn't know what I was doing and I was flooded with such incredible grace like a river overflowing its banks until I was full of faith and love for Jesus, the anointed one. I was captured by grace so that Jesus could display through me the outpouring of his spirit as a pattern so that others could see and come to believe in him For eternal life, from that moment, from that moment on the Damascus Road, throughout his travels, his tests, his trials, Paul's rock came from knowing that nothing could separate him from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that love that he experienced was what compelled him with passion to go all over the world of his day, And tell the people that the God of heaven had demonstrated his love on earth for every person, that while we were still sinners, his son died for us. So in this letter, Paul is writing to a people of God in the Roman Empire who are facing the worst of the worst. They are literally experiencing what I've just read to you. That's really going on. And so Paul is not just giving them a philosophy to hold on to. He's writing to real people facing real hard stuff. A church that needs to hear from a shepherd. Maybe that's you. Maybe, huh? Maybe that's all of us. If you would happen to be somewhere else in the world right now, in Europe or India, wherever. This applies to you because the pandemic is even in your town. It's all over the world, and that's just that. The unrest, the turbulence between people and races. Can anything separate a true believer from the love of Christ? Well, here's the answer in verse 37. You have your Bible? Look at verse 37. The answer is no. Can you say it with me out there? No. Can you shout it? No. In all these things, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things that are present nor things to come Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Velcro, the love of Christ makes us more than conquerors in these things. Paul is no novice, he spent decades living this out facing hardships to the point of wondering if he'd make it through alive. And he says, I am convinced those in Christ Jesus cannot be separated from the love of God. I want to give you some reasons why. Why is it that we can confidently stand on that truth? You not only can know it in your head, you can experience it in your life. Here's why. Number one, we are held by an unbreakable law. There's a scholar by the name of Leon Morris who said it like this, Moses' law has right but not might. Sin's law has might but not right. The law of the Spirit has both right and might. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law, the unbreakable law of the life-giving spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Paul is saying we are held by God with a power of an unbreakable force. A law within Christ Jesus in which there is never a condemning voice over our heads. Never. In Christ Jesus, in that location, God's voice will never speak with condemnation. He'll convict us, but it'll convict us to lead us out and lead us in, but no condemnation from the throne. And not only that, there is a life-sustaining power. There's a life-giving power that never diminishes, always constant, ever-flowing. That law, a real law, just like the law of gravity, a real law in the universe because of Jesus. Paul says, why do I know? Why am I convinced nothing can separate me from the love of God or you? because we are held by an unbreakable law. That law holds every child of God under the voice of love and in the power of the grip of God's grace. I almost heard someone shout. I think I did anyway. Here's another reason we can be convinced. Number two, we are strengthened by an unlimited helper. Jesus promised before he left To everybody who believed, the helper would come. The helper would come. And he'd come not to just be with us, but come and live in us, the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit help us? Here's one of the things he does in verse 15. He eases our fears in the Father's favor. When all of this stuff is going on around us, and you have more questions than answers, and fear seems to be ready to grip. The Bible says we have a a helper who won't only be with us, but who'll be in us, and here's what he does. Verse 15, you have your Bible? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now Paul is not asking The Roman believers to hold on to a philosophy or a theory about this. Because he is reminding them what Jesus said and what they know. The Holy Spirit is not a force, he's a person, and he's very personal. He's very personal. And he comes to bring life to the scripture, life to the concept, the personal touch that you can know in the embrace that breaks the fear. The storm can still be raging, the streets can be shaking, but the helper is easing your fear in the Father's favor. The helper comes and he gives us grace to lift up our voices. Sometimes we don't know what to say, and he gives us grace to lift up our voices, just like my grandson, Graham, lifts his voice up to me, asking me to hold him close. Now, Graham doesn't know how to articulate those words yet, but I know his heart and what he's trying to tell me. Paul says, in your time of trouble... The Holy Spirit is so personal that He'll whisper this You've got a tight connection to my heart, child of God. I'm convinced there is an unbreakable law that keeps me held in the Father's power. And there is an unlimited helper on the inside of me who eases my fears because He's personal. And lifts me up to my Father and your Father. He also strengthens us this way. He prays through us with unlimited connection to our Heavenly Father. Verse 22 For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers together until now. And listen, if we only saw that verse before the last few months as just something that happened to them, we're in it now. We are them. Not only this, but we ourselves also, we're groaning. We have the first fruits of the Spirit, and we groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We're watching all this stuff go down, and we're watching and we're feeling all kinds of feelings, emotions, challenges, struggles. And it just says to us, you know what? All over the world, we are seeing with our eyes, experiencing right now in the world, the unyielding reality that the world is broken, unfixable. I'm not speaking of the earth, the beauty of the earth. All this stuff is going on. You can ride out into the country on a clear summer morning and the, and the clouds are beautifully uh, appearing and the sun is majestically uh, shining down and, and you would think nothing is wrong. Yet I think the earth is reacting to the corruption of man and woman who live upon it. The earth is groaning for its creator to come and rescue it from the fallen ones who are walking on its face. And then you and I who are born of the Spirit a new humanity of every race, whether you're living in India or China, Australia, you live in Mississippi, Colorado, you're a believer. We may not even know if you're another country. I might not even know how to talk to you or even talk your language, but there is a commonality. Black and white, brothers, sisters, there should be no racism in the church of Jesus Christ. And we have a great big job to do to break that wall down. And we should be found doing so on the day the creator comes back through the clouds of glory to make all things new. But until that day, we have a helper. What do we do? We invite our helper who has the ability to strengthen us in prayer. Not just pray, but just, just, let's just go to, let's just go to this thought of prayer. You know, I don't know about you, but this, this applies to me. Before COVID, um, the church world was as busy as the bulls on Wall Street, running to and fro, planning, strategizing. The Holy Spirit can do many things But mostly, he is a praying one. The Bible says here, in the midst of all of the storms, Paul doesn't talk about all the, he says, he wants to strengthen you, and he wants to help you pray. He wants to pray an unlimited communication from your heart and his heart to God Almighty. The Holy Spirit wants to run his church, The Holy Spirit wants to run his church. And the Holy Spirit is a walker. He's not a runner. If the Holy Spirit has his way in us, the church will be wanting to pray more. Not having to, wanting to. The Holy Spirit wants to be in control of my spiritual leadership. Me. He wants to be in control of every leader that claims the name of Jesus, whether we're white, black, Hispanic, because all of us need him to be in control right now of us. Spiritual leaders might leave many things out that should be done. I can list a zillion of those that I fail at all the time. And if I forget, someone else will remind me. But the one thing the Holy Spirit will always prioritize for me and for you will be prayer. The reason the condition of our lives reflects the character of Jesus or doesn't has little to do with information and training. It has much to do with my relationship with the Holy Spirit in my prayer life. I know everyone prays and lifts up requests and we get requests all the time. I make requests, I name names, I talk about circumstances and all those things are good. Jesus even tells us, encourages us to bring those requests to God. But there's a difference between making prayer requests to God and then going back to your way, my way, getting through praying, and I'm back in my thoughts, back in my actions, back in my fleshly ways. There's a difference with that, and instead of that, coming out of prayer strengthened with, hey, hey, with with God's perspective. Having his peace and feeling like he's got this. Wouldn't it be great if a million men of God in the world prayed and sought God and allowed him to get through to us? And the war is intense. On the outside, but it's also intense on the inside. I don't know about you, but me as a born again believer, at best, I feel like an eagle chained to the earth because I'm not home yet, and I've got a lot of Team McGee that always wants to run the show and always knows what God wants to do and wants to tell me how God wants to do what God wants to do, and then I. Hear what somebody else thinks, and old T. McGee wants to fight and philosophize and debate and argue and arm wrestle. You and I have an old nature that fights to get its way from within, and a world system that will never harmonize with the Spirit of God, and a dark prince. He isn't in Washington, D.C., he's not in the Oval Office. He's above it. And he's above the Eiffel Tower. And he's he's above the democratic headquarters. This dark prince is constantly in trench warfare against the church in the world. Against God's people in the world. Against each of us. And we, Need a power that can't be broken. A law fixed in our soul. And a helper within. While we understand that this world will always be groaning until the return of the king. We will struggle. We struggle with our own weaknesses. We've talked about that over the last few weeks. I left most of mine out. We rise and we fall sometime in temptation's angry storm, right? Or is it just me? But Paul wants to remind us to not lose hope because we are in all of these things more than conquerors. Why? Because nothing can separate us. I'm preaching good. Are you listening good? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Look at verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. Talking about prayer. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, can I just add before we go any further? I I said this when I preached a few weeks ago. I want to say it again. Please, if you if if you forget, don't forget everything else either, because that hurt my ego. But if you forget everything else, please get this. It would be so helpful if all of us begin to be more transparent about our weaknesses. And also, though, about how the Holy Spirit helps us. Because we don't want the world to think that there are supermen and superwomen of God, because there aren't. But there is a super God. And when we show who we are, but show what He does, every one of us can have encouragement to come to the super God. I don't mean that disrespectfully. And he knows, I don't mean that disrespectfully, the only God. This next generation will require transparency as they decide whether they're going to believe in our authenticity, while they decide. But if transparency isn't there, forget it. Verse 26, for we do not know how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he, this is the Father, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because when the helper prays on our behalf, he prays according to God's perfect will. Velcro, baby. Paul's no novice I mean, it's not he's been to church three times and got fired up a little bit. He's been walking this out for 30 years. He's faced hardships to the point of wondering if he'd make it through alive. And he says, I am convinced nothing, nothing, I've been through it all can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus And then he says this. We are being held in the Father's crafted hand. Verse 28. And we know, I love, he's so confident but not cocky. He's dependent. He's proven God true. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, because those whom he foreknew he knew you before you knew you and me. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. First of all, in your Bible, this is why I want you to have your Bible. If you open it up, you're looking at Romans 8, 26 and 27 where it's talking about prayer. And then in 28 through 30, it talks about all things work together. Do not separate those verses If you just go all things, listen, you're going to be so disappointed in your life because we don't stand around just doing nothing in a vacuum and just expect God to just harmonize our lives. There is a cooperation with the fixed law of the life-giving spirit and the helper bringing out of us words to God that he prays and as that harmony reaches the throne, God the Father in his masterful hand now, stay with me. Doesn't promise to change what's going on out around us. If you look closely, take your Bible, take your pen, or your mental brackets, and where it says work good, tie it to conform to the image of his son. Doesn't say, hey, if you're working at Walmart late shift, listen. All things work sooner or later, sooner or later, Romans said, God's going to get you on the early shift. That's not in there. Doesn't mean he won't. Just don't use that verse for that promise. Because that verse doesn't promise that. That verse says this. When hell drops on you, God the Father can make a melody out of your mess. Harmony of his nature when hailstorms are falling down into your emotions. Our heavenly father is so powerful that even in the worst case scenarios, in the storm of storms like the one that's in the world right now, his hand not only holds us, but fashions us in the midst of it. If we allow the helper to help us. Even when we can't form the words and we don't have the energy to lift our heads or even breathe out a word from our lips, our inner groanings have quit groaning. The helper can harmonize it all. And here's what God is committed to doing in your life and mine. Even if you wonder if you'll be able to open your business again even while your wayward son is still wayward, even when fear is always knocking at your emotions, the helper and the father can create sweetness instead of sarcastic Christians. He is so powerful that he can create peaceful people in the midst of this poisonous interference from hell right now. He's our helper. And then we can help one another because we've been humbled in the midst of this storm, in the midst of this crisis, to realize this thing's bigger than any of us. And no one is smart enough to figure it out or can bring into the midst of this discord and injustice What only Jesus can bring, he can send us in to bring help to people with the same help we're receiving from God. He can make us more merciful than mean-spirited because we're being held in the Father's not only strong, but masterful hand of craftsmanship. Paul says God is at work and he uses the word for work. It's the Greek word synergeo and it's where we get the word synergy from and I looked it up to make sure I would be accurate in giving the definition instead of just assuming that I know it and it says this, the interaction of elements that when combined produce a total effect that's greater than the sum of the individual parts. So God the Father hears my groanings And the Holy Spirit fine-tunes my words, or lack of words, and he lifts those up as an expert prayer, totally fine-tuned, synergizing in the Spirit to the Father who creates good that can only be produced in my life and in your life from him. And people see that. To the praise of his glory. He comes to be the helper in our life. Paul is building a three-cord strand to tell us that this confidence is unbreakable. Nothing can separate you, believer, from the love of God. The Spirit in us helps. The Father above us helps. And then Paul asks us to use our reason. And he asks this question. What then shall we say about these things? He's unfolded this. He says, so what are you going to say about that? Here's the logical conclusion. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he builds on that. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, along with Jesus, freely give us all things? Who will bring any charge? Because see, people were being arrested for not conforming to the demands of the emperor. Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. The God who gave his own son to rescue us break us free from the prison of sin, bring us back to himself who promises to be a very present help in the person of the helper within us to give us strength. God the Father, Paul is saying, is shouting down through the ages, I am for you, I declare you not guilty, I call you my son, I call you my daughter, ask me to hold on, I am holding on to you. Paul says... I've tested tested this out. I'm convinced. And just like Paul, who was Saul, he says to anybody out there who isn't a great believer, who isn't even close to being a victorious believer in a track record, he wants you to know. And I'm even talking to everybody who isn't even a believer, every sinner. Every wayward soul, you just happen to be listening or watching, God made it happen. Even if you're a wicked rebel, He already paid your sin price on the cross. He died for us while we were ungodly. And Paul's not finished. Again, he's been in the grip of this confidence for decades, living by faith, in the crucible to the point of wondering if he'd make it through alive. And he says, I am convinced those who are in Christ Jesus can never be separated from the love of God. Why? Because we're being held by the powerful prayers of Jesus himself. Verse 34, who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died more than that was raised. He's at the right hand of God, and He also, just like the helper within us, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's praying. Jesus is praying, and the Father is crafting. Who can separate us? Now, Jesus isn't up there talking to God, trying to change His mind because God wants to get us or judge us or whack us over the head. No, no, no. It's not like God, you know, and Jesus is like, Dad, come on. It's not that. They're one. They're one in thought, one in purpose, one in heart, one in passion toward us. It's speaking of his humanity, of being the one who went first, the firstborn from the dead, the one who went into the spirit of the age When Satan asked him to bow, and he gave him all the empires of the world, and the seduction was pulling. Jesus had a spiritual strength, and he went through it all, and he is speaking to his father and his humanity that didn't drop to earth when he ascended through the clouds. He went with him. He went with him. He knows he's been here. And nothing can separate us from the Trinitarian, unbreakable bond of covenant, Father, Son, and Spirit, and you, and me, and a church. And Paul says, I'm convinced. And David. Hundreds of years before in Psalm 139 says, And my soul knows very well. God holds you, brother, sister, right in His hand. The Holy Spirit, your great helper, is in your heart. And the Son of God, is speaking for you and me continually in heaven's throne room. And Paul says, I am convinced. I just wanted to pull out a few of those words that we've repeated and, and tell you a little bit of bit, to just spice this up before we just just receive it today by faith. The word for convinced is, is a word that the Greeks during the time of Alexander uh, Worshipped a goddess by the name of Pithos. It's the word he uses. This word, and I think Paul is a genius. Paul is stirring up the minds of the Romans who are still very familiar to Greek mythology and the Greek stories and the gods who have now changed names to Roman names. But this word he uses to just kind of wink and say, "I'm persuaded," because see the goddess. Pathos could actually seduce you into becoming something in what in your mind that you didn't want to be. And so Paul is saying the storms, the persecution, the temptations, hell, I'm convinced by a force greater. He uses that word. Jesus is more powerful than the gods and goddesses of the Greeks and the Romans. I'm convinced. Nothing can separate us. And then he uses this word hypernikeo. It means more than conquerors. Hyper. Nikeo, it's where we get the word Nike from. Nike is a Greek word which means victorious. Did you know that? What Paul says is you have hyper Nikes. It'd be like if you really put on Air Jordans and you could be Michael Jordan. God the Father. The Holy Spirit on the inside, Jesus the champion at his right hand, has made us hyperniceo, meaning not just conquerors, but overwhelming conquerors. It means to vanquish beyond the ability of the enemy to come back. It means to overwhelmingly win in victory. It is an eternal super win. that Paul is saying, because Jesus didn't bow, because Jesus wasn't swayed, because Jesus wasn't seduced, he conquered it, was raised from the dead, ascends to the Father, and he's coming back for those who are standing on the rock, unshakable, unbreakable rock that nothing, Can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, creation is groaning in our lifetime, all around us. In our natural self, weakness is still within us. There are no super people. As Paul even says in another verse I didn't touch in this chapter, you are weak in your natural self. But we're here being reminded from your powerful word and the work of the Spirit of God to be reminded that we can live free from the law of sin and death, that we can live with hope while the fall is all around us. We can live in love when not everyone is for us. Because you help us. These three remain for us. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. We have a helper. Friend, we have a helper. The Holy Spirit wants to come up big on the inside of your life and touch you and heal you and help you and hold you He will strengthen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to strengthen every person that's shaking today. Every person that's terrified of the future. Every person that feels like they can't stand one more moment. If one more thing happens, it will be the last. That's what the devil's telling them. That's what their mind is telling. Holy Spirit, we pray, strengthen our our friends and our families. Give them power in in the spirit to have a liberation today. Give them a new perspective to come out of a time with you and say, God's got this. God's got this. Give us a perspective so we can wait patiently with hope that you, in the midst of trouble and distress, persecution, false accusation, perilous times, without instead of with, Demons. And dear Lord, the future. May the Velcro hold. Make known to me the path of life, O Lord. Fill me with joy in your presence, as David said, and with eternal pleasures at your right hand, now and forevermore. Friend, believe this word today sent to you and may God watch over his word to perform it in your life in Jesus name you overwhelmingly conquer and nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus God bless you